Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Wait for it. The sun has caused us to gather together. Did you get that? Ah, little church pun for you. Anyway, um, we are going to take a two-week break from the book of Exodus, and we're going to jump into Hebrews chapter 10 over the next two weeks. The reason we're going to do this is we want to make sure that as we start coming together, we have an understanding of why we go to church and what the church is for. So we'll be in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, and we'll be there over the next two weeks. Ryan will take next week and talk about this, the last part of verse 25, and of course I'm going to handle the first couple of, uh, the first couple of verses right now. Um, before we get there, as you're turning there, I, wanna, I, I need your help as we get started. Okay, so I need, your, I need your help. There are some fictitious people in a list that I'm getting ready to, to, to make, and they were not alone. So what they did in their life, they did not do this alone. That's the point of this opening illustration right now to help you set the stage. But I want you to participate with me. So I'm going to say one half of the duo, and you're going to say the other half. You are so good. Okay, so first we have Batman. Okay, then we had the Lone Ranger and then we had Thelma and then we had Katniss and oh, thank you in the back, okay? The, the, uh, the, the young 30-year-olds got that in the back there. Okay, then we had Michael Jordan and okay, Scotty Pippen. Make sure that's very important. Okay, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player that ever lived. Take that, LeBron. And he had he had, um, he had Scottie Pippen. We had Frodo had Sam, okay? We had Han Solo had, okay, Chewie. And we had, we have Tom had, and Shaggy, Scooby. And then we had Chandler and, no, Joey, okay? Come on, before Monica, there was Joey. Come on, get with your friend's culture. Then we had R2-D2 in, oh, that's good. And then we had, okay, ready, this is, this is really difficult right here. We have dumb and, dumb. Oh, there we go, okay. Really, really what I want us to see right now is I want you to see and I want you to understand that, that in culture, life is never bent. We are never made, especially as the people of God, to live life alone. We were never made to do that. We were never made to try to uncover the mysteries of God, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We were never made to do that alone. We need each other. And I don't know of a more prominent example than what's taken place over the last several months or year with being separated from each other And now, for the first time, sort of starting to come back together. And I think it's important for us to understand why the church exists. Why do we go to church? What what is the reason for us to do that? We are communal beings. We are to live in community with one another. We understand that there are some folks that are just not comfortable yet coming out to our church property. We also understand that some people are asking about Panther Creek. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We have a piece of property 
And this is where we're going to meet. And we want you to come like you are today. And when you are ready, when you are ready, we will be here for those of you that aren't ready. We'll be here. And so there's a couple of things that are taking place. We've kicked up our preschool area. We've kicked up our preschool area. Okay. And then in, on June the 6th, we're going to have Northwest Kids. Okay. So we're trying to get back as normal as we possibly can because the gathering of God's people is so imperative to your understanding of who he is. Simply, there are life groups, and we'll touch on that next week. But, but what we must make sure that we don't allow what's happened over the last year and a half to allow us to get lazy about the church where God says in Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are the church no matter where we meet. Panther Creek, under this tent, outside the tent, where we are the church. The church is a group of people, not necessarily a location. And, and so what's taken place here that what we've learned over the, really the last maybe year and a half is we've come, um, we've come to realize the importance of regular church attendance. If you hear me say anything, what, what, I'm, what I really want to encourage you is I want you to be all in. I want, I want you to be all in to God's mission, and that involves it being defined through the local church, wherever it meets. Um, according to the Barner research, I have some statistics to read over really the last uh, 16 months. According to Barner research, approximately one in three Christians have stopped attending church altogether, whether in person or online during the pandemic. An additional third have admitted to streaming a different church service. What? <laughs> a different church service online other than their own. How dare them. Digitally church hopping, basically reflecting a certain consumeristic mindset endemic to much of the evangelical church. We, we want to literally be the church on this corner. We want, to, we want to be reminded of why we get together. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you, and I want to appeal to you that as we go into the summer months, that you make this place and gathering at this place, you make it a priority. You make it a priority that you would come and you would see other people and you would encourage them in their walk, that you would bear their burdens alongside of them and that we would see the beauty of what it means to be together as God's people. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25. And I really want to give you the background of the information sort of on the reason this book was written. There's, there's several... There's several disputes as in who wrote the book of Hebrews. Most people say it's Paul. Some people say it's someone else not to be known. Paul always introduces himself in one of his letters. He'll say, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, write to you, the Thess Thessalonians, 
um, in Thessalonica, and then he writes, those, writes to those people. The book of Hebrews doesn't really, he doesn't identify himself, so there's basically, un, it's unsure of who wrote the letter to um, addressing the Hebrews. It's, we're, not, we're not really sh- sure who wrote the letter. But at any rate, the purpose of the letter was to help the people understand that in the midst of all of their oppression, I don't want you to give in or give up on your salvation. I don't want you to give in on what God is doing in you. I don't want you to give up on gathering together as God's people. I don't want you to give in on thinking that you have a new covenant. You don't have to sacrifice this goat or bull to get forgiveness of sins. As we talked about last week, we have the lamb that was slain without spot or blemish, who takes away the sin of the world. We have Jesus. We have King Jesus. And so the book of Hebrews is trying to go, hey, I want to remind you of this. I want to talk to you about this. I don't want you to forget this. That's what the book of Hebrews is really trying to do. Trying to get them to remember the new covenant. Trying trying to get them to remember their salvation. Trying to get them to remember the importance of gathering together. And so when we come in here to verses 23 through 25, in in the original context, what he's trying to get them to do is he's trying to say, don't give up gathering together. In the original context, and this is important, in the original context, what he is suggesting is that what you're tempted to do is to walk away completely, and I don't want you to do that. In our context of how we're studying this verse this morning, what we're looking at is we're not looking at, hey, I'm going to miss a Sunday here or there, does not mean that you've abandoned your faith or abandoned your church. But what it does mean, it does mean is that God wants this place to be a priority of your life, not just in our attendance, but in our service. And no time is it more important than right now for us to understand the mission and the reason why we have church and why we go. So let's look at this uh, verse, these verses right now. Let's look at 23. Verse 23 says this, let us. So who's he talking about? It's a group of people. Okay, he's talking about a group of people, a group of believers. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. So the author of Hebrews first just told them, I want you to draw near to God. Then in the second part, he's saying, I want you to cling to your confession that you have hope in Jesus. I want you to do so without wavering. Now notice the first two words of the text, let us. So how do we not waver in our hope and in our confession? We do so in community. The first two words, let us. So we're not doing this alone. It's not Lone Ranger, okay? It is in community that this is how it is done. We, we never let go, regardless of our circumstances. We cling without wavering, immovable, unbendable. That's what he's telling us to do. But what do we cling to? We cling to, what does it say? The hope we have for he who promised is faithful. So we have hope in Christ. Why? Because the one who promised these things, he is what? He is faithful. 
When we are faithless, he is faithful always. Always. We sometimes go up and down. We really want it to be like the Scooby-Doo, not like the Vortex, right? The Scooby-Doo has a couple of bumps. We're a little wavering like that, but we don't want it to be like the Vortex where it's upside down and all those kinds of things. And the way we do that, of course, is in community because that's what he said, let us. Verse 24, let us. So how is this done? It's done in conjunction with other folks, other people. Let us consider, let us think, let us think of ways that we can do what? We can stir up one another to love and good works. So in a community that we are in, we're to consider how am I going to help Travis or Kevin or Gazer? How am I going to help them? How am I going to do my part to stir them up, to spur them on to love and good works? Listen, this past week, Laird asked me to go with him to eat a lunch at the university club at NC State University, enemy territory for a Tar Heel fan. So myself, Craig Ballinger, we went and we ate at the university club and had a great meal, had a great testimony from a guy, and it was just great. But here's what they did. They served us unsweet tea. That's disgusting. And so when I do to my unsweet tea, I take the sweetener, okay, and I open the packets and I pour it in, very important, that what you do after you pour it in is you stir it up. Because why? That is when I love it and it tastes good to me. Did you get that? Okay. Stir, it, stir each other up to love and good deeds. When we are stirred up, then we're able to understand, why am I here? Why am I going through what I'm going through? How am I going to... To, to do this? How am I going to get through this? That's what he wants us to see. He wants us to, to, to stir each other up. Now, in order to consider how to stir each other up, what's important? We have to know each other. How do we know each other? When we are committed to coming on a regular basis, that it is a priority. Because the only way that I can consider how to stir you up is if I know you. I know what's going on in your life. And so that's what he says. And then in verse 25, he tells us where this is done or how this is done. Verse 25 says this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're the encouraging one another, we're going to take that next week. We're just talking about the first part there, 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So make sure we understand this. Originally, what was written is that they were tempted to completely walk away and they were going to give up on gathering together as a body. What we're doing here is we're applying this in a situation where we understand that we don't want church attendance, we don't want the mission of the church to be something that we neglect because after all, the mission of the church is not going to fail. I hope you know that. And so therefore, I want you to be a part. Don't you want to be a part of something that's not going to fail? I mean, I do. And so he says, don't neglect. Don't, 
don't, um, don't forget being together. This was radically drawn to me in seminary. When I was in seminary, we would have chapel, and chapel was um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, okay? You did not have to go, but you were heavily encouraged to go. Does that make sense? Okay? So you didn't have to go, but you were heavily encouraged to go. About the first part of the semester, everybody was there. We were listening to these people speak, testimonies, music, uh, preachers from all over the world coming in and speaking, and it was great. About halfway of the semester, a lot of papers were due and a lot of tests were, were coming up. And what happened was a group of folks in the guys' dorm, I was married, in, lived, I was, you know, Dana and I, we were married in seminary. But there was a guys' dorm, and the guys stopped going to chapel. So the president wrote a letter I need you to not neglect the assembling of the gathering. And so one Tuesday at 10.05, he walked into the dorm of the guys. And they were sitting around watching the Simpsons on the local TV. (laughs) And the president looked and said, hey, fellas, isn't it time for chapel? I'll never forget it. I heard the story. My friend, Jose Rondon, he's six foot seven. He's an army chaplain right now today. Turned around and said, yes, Dr. Patterson, it is chapel time. Why aren't you there? (laughs) I don't want you to neglect the assembling. Listen, listen, listen. If one thing that's happened over our time is that sometimes it can be easy just to just not tune in. Get lazy. But, but more than ever right now, it's so important for us to make sure that this place that God has sovereignly positioned and placed us in, that this is a priority of our lives. This is our family. And we're going to do life with each other. And so here's the question, and I've got four things to answer that come from our text that we just read. Why go to church? Why, why should we go to church? Last night at around nine o'clock, I saw David had sent me an article on the Gospel Coalition and the title of the article was, Why Go to Church? <laughs> I thought, man, I think it was written like May 20th, so it was really, really recent. And I, I read the article and I was like, oh man, this is a great article. Basically, why go to church? The author summarized it up because we forget. We forget who God is. And we come to church because we're really good at forgetting. Why do we do communion? Why do we have? We took it last week. Do this in remembrance of we're good at forgetting. And we need the let us aspect of the community so that we don't forget. But here are four, really four points, four reasons why we should go to church. The first one, I tell you, it is going to blow you away with my seminary education right now because God said so. That's number one, because God said so. I mean, when, when you're sitting there as a parent and your son asks for, can I please have another donut? And you say, no. And they say, why? And you say, I said so. 
Because I said so. And I'm just looking at the text and I'm sitting here and the author of the scripture is God himself. He inspires the writer of Hebrews to write this and the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect the gathering. And so therefore, it really was written with the personality of that author, but it really came from God himself. And so the reason that we go to church is simply, I don't want to make this any more difficult, is because God said so. He said in Matthew He said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's a quote for you by an author. I don't remember her name, but here's what she said. While connecting with people, helping those in need, fighting injustice and and resting are all necessary things in life. We should not prioritize them above God himself. God alone is preeminent, Colossians 1.18. These activities should flow from life-giving connection with Christ and his people. When we make good things central, we give them God's position, and then they become idols. So what is he telling us? What is, what is the first reason that we see is we go to church because God says so. He told Paul to do what? Go plant churches. And he planted churches all over the world. You know, the churches of Colossae, the churches of Thessalonica, um, the, you know, the, the churches in Ephesus, Philippi. He planted churches. Those are gatherings so that they would remember. And number two, I don't know of a more, more important reason right now than the gathering of this where truth is, is, is explained and truth is held on to. Number two, it grounds us, excuse me, it grounds us in truth. It grounds us in truth. There is not a show, not a magazine, not everywhere we go right now, all truth is completely relative. Everything that the Bible teaches is completely under attack, as outdated, as wrong. The scripture declares That Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And coming to church allows us to feast on the truth of God. We talked about very clear a couple of weeks ago that Generation Z has defined absolute truth as sincere truth. If you are sincere about it, then therefore it's true to you. As long as you're committed to it. And that is incredibly dangerous when the scripture teaches something radically different. And we gather together in the church to remind us of the truth that will set us free. And that's Christ and Christ alone. He made a way where there was no way. We were sinners. He was not. He went to the cross. We did not. He went to the grave. We did not. He came out. It demonstrates that he's the way. He's the one that hung on the cross and said, it is finished. He paid that debt in full. The church allows us to be grounded in truth, which there is nothing more important for us to be about than that right now. There is a steady, steady stream of relativism and pluralism that comes at us on a daily basis. And we must interact that individually and we must interact that corporately. And gathering together, the let us, that helps us 
to understand what truth is. Okay, number three. I've got four, and we're at number three right now. We need each other to grow in our faith in Jesus. Now, sometimes I, I, I got excited and started talking about the let us is. I was going to talk about that right now. But, but what I want you to know, and I want you, maybe you can agree with this. I need you to know that I am blind to my own blindness. You understand what that means? I, sometimes I just can't see that that's a problem in my life. And that's a lot like you and a lot like me. And so what happens is I need someone else to come in there, consider how am I going to stir him up so that he can see that that's a blind spot in his life. That's a blind spot. We are prone normally to minimize our own faults and focus on others. We're, we're, that's normal for us to minimize our own and to focus on others. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. And a close-knit community based on Ephesians chapter 4 is basically what that happens is, is it's spurring each other on to maturity. What is my goal as a pastor? Colossians 1.28. Christ and him we proclaim so that one day we may present everyone mature in Jesus. I'm telling you, that's one of my life verses right there. At the end of the day, we might present everyone mature in Jesus. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. Um, is that we would be able to, to do that. And when we gather together on a regular basis, then we're able to do that. And, and in addition to that, and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Um, being in community together and helping each other to grow and needing each other to grow allows us and it reminds us that our temporal trials will have a joyful end. It allows us to see the future sign that says future road extension allows us to be in the cul-de-sac and sit there and go what are you doing and then the body says hey look at the sign future road extension this is part of the story but it's not all of the story and what happens right now is that when we're in doing life together you're able to remind me and I'm able to remind you that these temporary trials that we go through have a joyful ending and I can't wait to see how that takes place. I want that for you. And I want to be one there for you to remind you and I want you to be there for me to remind me that there's a future road extension. In the hands of a sovereign God, it is not a dead end. Number four. Coming to church fuels our understanding of the mission of God. Coming to church fuels our understanding of the mission of God. We often talk about here at Northwest that we want to learn how to, we want to be disciples. And a disciple is someone who is learning how to trust, love, and obey Jesus. That is what a disciple is. And a disciple maker is someone who is helping someone to trust, love, and obey Jesus. So I'm learning how to trust, love, and obey Jesus as a disciple. But as a disciple maker, I'm helping someone else to do just that. We've said that for a long time. 
And maybe if I can give you an, an, an illustration, I used this several years ago and I'll just use it again right now. But in, in, if you have an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Indian Ocean, it is hundreds of miles, if not thousands of miles from the mission that they're supposed to be a part of. But if you have this aircraft carrier that carries the fighter pilots and you're on that aircraft carrier and you come in and you're, you're there, you're a pilot, you have your, your plane, you come in and you listen to the instructor, you listen to the commander, you listen to whoever it is, Charlie, forgive me for this, but you listen to who's in charge and they tell you, okay, here's your mission, here's what I need you to do, this is what you're supposed to do and here's what I want you to do, I want you to get in your plane and I want you to go out and do it. But when you're sitting on the aircraft carrier, which in this illustration is the church, then you hear what the mission is, then you get in your plane and you go out and accomplish your mission to that neighborhood that God has so, um, so completely placed you in, instrumentally placed you where you live, the street you're on, the house you live in, that's where he's placed you. And so what takes place is we see that the church is a place that can fuel our mission for the greatest cause in all of the world. And it's not going to fail. The scripture teaches us that. So it's an aircraft carrier. Now here's what happens when we neglect the gathering. Neglecting the gathering on Sunday affects your part of the mission on Monday. And other, every other day. Neglecting the gathering on Sunday affects our commitment to the mission of God on Monday and every other day. Be a part of the local church. So here's what two things. Two things to conclude. What are we going to do with this? Here's my, here is my uh, closing right now. It's just number one. I, I, I want you to come to church and keep coming to church. When? And if you're comfortable, we'll respect that. If you're not comfortable, I get it. But as we start transitioning to bringing more people back, as we open up some of the things for our kids and, and youth group is still going on, and, and I want to encourage you to come and be a part of the body. I want to encourage you to come and be here. And then number two, I want to encourage you and challenge you to not just come and sit here, but I really want to encourage you to serve. Here's what's taking place. Last week I was preaching, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, but I noticed it. Between maybe the first 30 minutes of the service, even before I got preaching, I, I did see some parents go back, get kids, and bring kids back to their seat. You know why? These kids that are back here, they're not comfortable right now. They're not, they've not been around this setting in a long time. And so it's an opportunity for us to give moms a break and give parents a break to be able to jump in and serve and help out over here for kids to get comfortable and be over there. And I want to challenge you to get involved and serve over there with our young toddlers. Northwest Kids starts on the 6th. I want to ask you to jump in there. Youth ministry is kicking off. Matt can't do this by himself. Let's be the church. Let's not just go to church. And finally, here it is. To stay in and live out God's story, we need to remember it. And to remember it, 
We need to go to church. I love you guys. I love our church. I love what God is doing. And I love what God will do. I want you to pray with me right now. God, I love you and I thank you for who you are. Thank you that we have the opportunity to speak this morning and talk about the beauty of the local church. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to sing. I thank you for the reason that we get to gather. And I thank you for the privilege that we have here to do just that. I thank you for a reminder of why we go to church. Lord, I understand that I can motivate somebody for maybe 10 days at best. And I pray, Lord, that the challenge that has been issued today would not simply just be a pep rally, but that, Lord, you would work in our hearts to help us understand the importance of the local church, the importance of making church a priority to come and to be and to live on mission with brothers and sisters in the same community. And we do this for your glory because you deserve it and our good. So let us stir each other up to love and good deeds and be about your mission. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.